Good morning. Praise Jesus. Uh, okay. Man and woman. Man, Adam. God created man, basically human, in his image. Male and female, he created Adam. And then he looked for a mate for Adam. Adam didn't find one. And God pulled out of Adam one of his ribs and made a woman out of that. And when Adam saw the woman, he said, your bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. He said, you will be called woman because you were taken out of man. And the actual is you will be called Isha because you were taken out of Ish. So whatever the etymology of the word woman that we use today, whether it comes from with men, you know, like wife of man, the word, the, the first mention of man and woman was Ishanisha. So the word that we use, woman, was saying, you are what you are because you were taken out of me. Now I'm going to just take a moment here because I'm right this moment I'm seeing Peter. Okay? Jesus came to Peter to wash his feet as he had been washing other people's feet with his towel, with the towel that covered himself, Jesus's towel. He took his own towel off to wash or dry their feet. And Peter said, no, my Lord, you will not touch my feet. You're not going to wash my feet. And the Lord said, Jesus said, basically, you, you can't have part in me if you don't let me do this. You can't have part in me if you don't let me do this. If you don't let me clean your feet, you can't have part in me. And Peter's response was, oh, okay, well then, I'll tell you what, here, you wash my feet, you wash my hand, you do you, whatever you need to be doing, you just, you just do that very thing. You got it. Because... Peter, who tended to say what he would and would not do, always came home to a yes and an amen to Jesus when, how do you put it, when something hit the fan, when it came down to, am I going to go with you or not? When Jesus said, eat my body and drink my blood and people left him, Peter wasn't going anywhere. Peter would have experienced people that he knew no longer following. He would have experienced that, but he wouldn't have had any question about what he was doing. And Jesus said to them, are you leaving as well? And he's like, where would we go? You have the words of life. He wasn't there because other people were there. He was there because of what was coming out of Jesus' mouth. And I would say what's, what's coming out of his life as well because he was living what he was saying. He was a walking word. Okay. So why bring up Peter? Why the Lord give me Peter just now? The Bible says in Genesis, I think, 2. The, 
these two. So the man will leave his mother and his father, cleave to his wife, and they will become one flesh. And let no man come between them. These two will become one, and let no man, like, come asunder, you know, break it up. Jesus is washing the feet of his disciples. Okay, let me go back just a moment. So, Jesus grew up having been sired by the Holy Spirit and a woman. Okay? God's Spirit, His Holy Spirit, and God sired Jesus through His Spirit. That's how God gave birth. He said, my only begotten Son, He gave birth to Jesus through His own Spirit and through a woman. God just told me something else, but I forgot it that quickly, like in a, in a flash. It'll come back. It has something to do with, oh, okay, it'll come back. Uh, and then Jesus grew up, and at 12, he wanted to leave to go do his dad's business, and his mother said, not yet. And then 18 years later, at 30, he did go get baptized, and then the Spirit Right? His father drove him into the wilderness. The means with which God fathered him drove him into the wilderness. He was tempted by the enemy, by the devil. And then when he got out of the wilderness, he was ministered to by angels and he went to be baptized. I'm sorry, and then he went into ministry. He went and he got his disciples he went up to people and said, follow me. And they followed him. He didn't do a bunch of explaining to most of them. He just said, follow me. And then we have him at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And his mother and he are connected. They're in the same place at the same event. And Jesus has brought his disciples to this event. And his mother is somehow connected to what's going on because she comes up to him and she knows inside information or has observed that they were running out of wine. And she asks, she tells Jesus about it with an expectation that he'll do something. And he says to her, not yet. And then he does what she, what she wants. And as a result, he has his first fruit of ministry. If you don't call the disciples following him the first fruit, right? He was his mother's first fruit. If you don't call her believing in what God said her first fruit or going to Elizabeth her first fruit. Jesus was her first fruit. As he did what she said, he received his first fruit. And then he went, went into ministry. We don't hear about Mary again. It sounds like he left his mother. As he had done at 12, he left her at 30 to go minister. And it seems to have been a break, a, an actual leaving and cleaving to his ministry, to his people, to his bride. When someone said to him, your mom and your brothers are at the door, he said, my mother and my brothers are the people who follow the will of God. Now, we don't know all that that meant, but he didn't go to the door. 
his brothers and some believe his cousins. I hear brothers and that John was his cousin. His brothers mocked him and said, hey, we're going up to Jerusalem. Why don't you, if you're going to be doing all these things, why don't you do it there? And he says, no, it's not my time. You go. He had kind of a head-to-head or toe-to-toe with them. You go. And then he did go to the, he did go, but he just didn't tell them he was going. And the next time we hear about his mother, he was dying. Praise you, Jesus. So he left his father in heaven, sired by the Holy Spirit, driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, and woman, driven by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, and then left his mother. So he'd left his father, he left his mother, and he cleaved to his bride. He cleaved to his purpose. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He, he went toward the cross by going into ministry. He acted as the bridegroom he was in washing her with water of the word of himself and cleansing her that he could present her to himself without spot or without blemish. This activity that we experience of salvation, of his literally bringing us into himself and all that he is and thus into who we are, Ishisha, Christ Christian. is an activity of cleaving to us, of wedding us, of joining us, of being together with us. And that's what Peter experienced. Jesus was, in going into ministry and leaving heaven and leaving his mother, he was going to his trial, his time of trial, his hour, for the sake of us, that he might take our trials upon himself. And as he went to the dirtiest part of Peter, and Peter went, oh my gosh, no, you're you're not going to touch my feet. He, praise you, Lord, he was saying, then you have no part in me, right? Adam said, you are going to be Isha because you were taken out of Ish. You're bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This is also what David said when he was made king. The Bible says that the people loved him. And David said about the people, you are bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. He cleaved to the people. He So Saul was in a position of king. And he was afraid of the people. And he did what the people wanted him to do. He was uh, literally like a slave of the people. And frankly, a slave than of himself because the fear had to do with what would happen to him if those people were upset with him, okay? But but David, who had experienced rejection from his brothers as well, um, loved the people and gave his life, gave himself, gave his days for the people, went into battle, battle after battle after battle for the people. Jesus. Did that same thing for his people, for us. 
okay. We, today, okay, man and woman, all through the Bible it teaches, woman was made for man, and woman is man's glory. Man has sometimes, if not often, experienced woman as a burden, as difficult. Um, And from the fall, he's had to strive both with the world, the earth, and with his partner in the earth, woman, Isha. The ease or blessing of their union has come when they have loved each other. And in love, there's been a yielding. The Isha has yielded and the Ish, though clear authority, clear boss, so to speak, or house band, right? He has yielded for her good, put it that way. He's cared for her. And she has yielded to his direction, his will. Amen. She's allowed herself to be bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. And to go where he goes and, right, be where he is and follow where he leads. That has been such a blessedness in love. And marriage today, amen. Men have been the heads of their household. When you fill out your census, right? Who's the head of the household? Your taxes every single year. Are you head of household? In the resurrection, the Bible says, we will not be given or taken in marriage, but will be like as unto the angels. In the last couple of weeks, I've been wondering about that verse, not a ton, but it's come up more than once. And This, I believe, is connected to Paul saying, in Christ, which I believe is another way of saying in the resurrection. In Christ, there's neither male nor female, slave nor free. In Christ, I'm sorry, Jew nor Gentile, in Christ, All are one. John 17, Jesus says, He and the Father are one. And he asks that we, you and I, his disciples, those present physically at that time, and those that would come after, he specifically prays for those that will come in the future. Powerful. And he asks God that we would be made one. That we would be brought together. As in the way that he and the Father are one. Okay. Praise you, Jesus. For this to be, you and I lose something and we gain something. Romans talks about a woman who is beholden to her husband unless he's no longer there. Then she can marry somebody else. This is the activity of Christ coming. Both male and female lose the identity of ish isha that are dependent upon one another. What I mean by that is before the creation of woman, man was known as Adam. 
or the Adam, right? The man. As in the creation of humanity that God did when he made out of the dirt this, right, this soul, this living soul, breathed life into him, gave him life from dirt. When he saw woman, he didn't call himself Adam. And he didn't call her, you know, I don't know. Cleobus, I don't know. He said, Ish Isha, meaning, I am that which you have come out of. And we are, you know, we're one. We are of the same stuff, okay? So we lose that particular, let's say, um, let's say dependent. Um, there's a codependence there, but there's just such a clear headship of man. Yeah, let's say codependent in that they, that he completes her. Amen. I mean, she completes him. So Ishisha, amen. Uh, that codependence, we lose that. And we have a new mm, adhesive mm, fixation, uh, a new dependence, a new focus of our completing and being complete in Christ. We now both, male and female, abide in him as new creations, as sons and daughters of God, unfolding, amen. And he abides in us. He cleaves to us. And the Ephesians 5, Ephesians 6, Ephesians 5, uh, about male and female, about husband and wife, is now about us, the church, and Christ Jesus, our Lord. And all the activities in the Bible about the Lord and us is about the bridegroom and the bride, the Lord and his beloved. He has identified himself with us and had to take the penalty for that, which was to go to the cross and to die. But he was blameless and he rose up from that circumstance, from that sorrow, from that suffering. And in that we then have been able to, as we joined him on the cross and he took our pain for us, now we are able to join him in his victory, in his resurrection. And we're all free from slavery and we're all free from the power of sin and the wages of sin. And we're all free of separation from God. He took the hit for us all when he cleaved to us and took on our punishment and rescued us, right, from death and destruction. And now in life, eternal life, we are his and he is ours. He is in us. Eternal life, the kingdom of God is in us right now, this instant. And we are this instant in the heavenlies, seated with him right now. So all of this, <clears throat> brings me to this blessedness that we're coming into right now as we understand God is not despising man or men. He is 
acknowledging and in this hour even emphasizing neither male nor female, Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, but all in Christ. As we all acknowledge Jesus is our bridegroom, not man or men. And, and God is our sovereign, not man or men. We had a male sovereign in Saul. But in David, particularly as he followed the Lord, following David was following God. Because God was subject, had subjected himself voluntarily. And this is the blessedness of true worship because it's not like the servant Ziba who came to David and said, I'm your servant. (laughs) And he did what David told him to do, but he had more servants than the king's son, Mephibosheth, right? Or Jonathan. He, He had like 15, 20 servants himself. and many, many children. He was in it for himself. And this is, I'm not trying to put down Ziba. What I'm saying is he was a man. He was in his flesh. He was about his own stuff. As was Saul. But David loved God. God said, I have found a man who will do all my will, all that's in my heart. This is a man after my own heart. What did he mean? This is a man who loves me. This is a man who's out there in the field, you know, singing songs to me. <laughs> he's like, he's making poetry about me, you know. And in our limited understanding We've broken this down so um, unhelpful. We've broken this down so unhelpfully into things like about John and Jonathan and David. Were they gay? (laughs) um, You got to go higher. When you talk about Jonathan and David... Naomi and Ruth. John. And Jesus. Mary. And Jesus. And maybe Mary the mother of Jesus and the Lord and the Holy Spirit. You're talking God love. You're talking another level. And there was seed of that in David. Interestingly, that came from Ruth, right? And Boaz. He was a near descendant. He was just like four generations from the union of Boaz and Ruth, a foreign woman who was excellent, the Bible says, to her mother-in-law, cleaved to her. Amen? This cleaving to, this activity of Loyalty, of faithfulness, is the very seed of our existence that brings us to salvation. Jesus cleaved to us. I like to say, He said, I do. And we cleave to Him in response. Now we get to say, I do, with our very lives. Amen. We are his. We are his. Praise you, Jesus. <clears throat> and 
And as we turn our attention away from man and men, one more time, we are not offended by and we are not seeking to offend man or men. Frankly, on a level, and that's no offense, it's not about man or men. What I'm saying now is in line with Manoah's wife. The angel of the Lord came specifically to Manoah's wife. And she then gave birth to Samson, the judge of Israel. The discontent with barrenness was in Hannah, in her heart, but not so much in her husband's heart. He didn't get it. She could not stand not having children and really being poked and prodded and persecuted by another wife that he took who had children after children, child after child. And in that barrenness and her cry out to God, God blessed her womb with with Samuel. Samuel was a judge and a prophet and a priest. And she had children afterward as well. She bore fruit after that first that she gave to the Lord. So what I'm talking about is in line with that, with the angel coming to Mary and not giving Joseph a dream first, but getting her consent, getting her faith, impregnating her. There was no asking Joseph permission Much went on for months without Joseph having a clue. She went straight from the moment she had with the angel to Elizabeth and into ministering to her for three months. Or uh, three months? Yep, three months. So when she saw her future husband or husband that she would then one day consummate with be able to consummate with she would have been beginning to show and she would have been away for some time I mean they could have had the conversation that they had while she was with Elizabeth but it's unlikely I don't know. I can't say that. I take that back. Thank you, Jesus. Joseph had rights, and he could have employed them to put her away because she was clearly in a way that you only get when you're with men, when you've been known by a man and know a man in return. But he received a dream from God that said, "This what's going on with your Mary is of the Holy Spirit. Powerful, powerful, powerful. What I'm talking about is John 1. <clears throat> it says that those who received Jesus had the right to become children of God, born not by man, neither by the will of man, neither by the blood of man, but by God. In the same way that Jesus was not born of man, the will of man, or the blood of man, but by God. 
as the Spirit of God hovered over a woman. And out of her womb came a man. So, whoa. So those of us who receive Jesus, who is called seed, the holy seed, those of us who receive him in our hearts are born, become children of God. We are then reborn or born of the spirit. We are immersed in the life of the spirit. We are introduced to, drawn to, and discipled into a spiritual life. And in that life, we are not of man. Ish Isha. We are not of man's will. He wants this and he wants that and he doesn't want this and he doesn't want that. We are not of the blood of man. His life, his blood, or his bloodthirstiness, that's not what we are of. We're not of his flesh. We are sired not by man, but by God. We are not the desire of man. We are the desire of God. Praise you, Jesus. That's what's happening. That's what I'm seeing. That as we turn our attention away from man and men, not against them at all. Because in fact, in a way, we're also obviously turning away from women. We're turning away from people in the flesh. We're turning away from all souls known by their flesh, okay? As we turn to Christ and our identity, not in man, but in him, we lose that last identity. We don't lose, you know, if you're married, you don't lose your husband or your wife. You are one flesh, amen? We gain what Jesus died to give us, life in him. And as our attention is on the heavenly things, we bring earth to heaven, we bring heaven to earth. Praise you, Jesus. And we know ourselves differently. The Bible says to know one another according to the flesh. I mean, excuse me, not. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says to know one another according to the Spirit. My mind went ahead to the uh, next thought. We're to know one another according to the Spirit. Praise you, Jesus. We're to walk in the Spirit, not the flesh. The thought that I'd run to is we're not to make provision for the flesh, but to mortify the deeds of the flesh. So fascinating. You know how there's a fight that's been going on about pro-life, pro-choice, abortion. The aborting that we do is of the fruit, the offspring, the produce of the flesh. And Galatians 5 talks about what that fruit is, what the manifestations what the children of the flesh are. That's what we abort. That's what we mortify. That's where we... That's where... That's what we get rid of. But life... We come to understand as God defines it, 
love, again, as God defines it. I'm hearing two, people say too earthly, too heavenly minded to be earthly good. That's a saying of man. Man came up with that saying for his reasons. I'm saying his or her, amen, for his reasons. Trying to get at something, trying to make a point about something, trying to bring out something and bring out a problem and solve it. But God's solution to every ill is Christ Jesus. And Hebrews tells us he is not a high priest who is unacquainted with our difficulties. He, He didn't just sit up in heaven and go, man, that, that's rough, y'all. He, he literally left his home to come here and walk among us. So he's not without an acquaintance to what we go through. It's just he's the way. He's the door. He, he's the solution. He's what we focus on as we go through, as we walk, as we seek answers, as we become aware of challenges or problems. Jesus is now the moat of our existence, meaning before anyone gets to us, they get to him. And when I say us, praise Jesus, I mean our hearts. Guard your heart above all things, for out of it flow the issues of life. That's his throne. That's his home. That's his chosen dwelling place. That's the sanctuary of the sanctuary. That's the sanctum. That's the holy of holies. We are holy as he is holy. But that is the holy of the holies, where he is. And from that, one in that place emanates life eternal and love agape and truth drenched in grace and wisdom right from above right here right now on the pavement on the cement um with the wood, hay, and stubble right here, right along with it, in the presence of anything that is not God. God is right here, Emmanuel, God with us. Praise Jesus. We are moving into a greater attention to this truth that has been so for 2,000 years. Amen. And we are shedding, we are letting go of that which has been grown old, an old form. And we don't know all that it means. We are listening. And in the listening and the beholding in the spirit, we are then witnessing a materialization, a realization, a concretization, a waking, and a making visible that which we are coming to know. Man and woman came to know one another And Cain and Abel and Seth were born. We are coming to know Christ and the freedom of creation draws nearer. Amen. Freedom from corruption. We ourselves experience this as we cleave to Christ Jesus as he cleaved to us. Praise you, Lord. 
Thank you, Father God. Um, I wanted to offer some context to what I'm sensing is happening with women. In particular, because, you know, um, I think there are invitations. There are invitations for women to misunderstand this moment. This moment is not to grab a baton and uh, basically take a pound of flesh. I don't know how to, else to put it in a Shakespeare play. Um, was it The Merchant of Venice? Mm, I can't remember what it's called. I think it is uh, Shylock was this miser and he there was a sense of of such legality of such uh, eye for an eye tooth for tooth kind of a thing praise you Jesus that is an old form and frankly and when we talk about that, unforgiveness goes there. Um, keeping records of wrongs goes there. Taking offense goes there. Um, like having it out. I mean, having it, having it out for people. Have, holding a grudge, you know. Um, get, wanting to get your pound of flesh. Um Weighing out the balances and scoring, criticizing, um, judging. Um, there's a whole world that we've lived in that we've understood to be good if we can just get on top, if we can just uh, beat the others out. Survival of the fittest, right? Um, competitiveness, where your win is their loss right? Too bad you lose. That whole thing is a form that is falling away. But that's not against any soul. Willing to be saved, willing to be loved, willing to be taught, willing to be healed. And when even, even when I say willing, it doesn't mean able um, in this moment or past moments because God is our ability, right? Jesus Christ literally is our salvation. He's the one who did the work to make us able. We can, yes, but not in and of ourselves. Um, bless Barack Obama. In and of ourselves, we can't. We are subject to futility in and of ourselves. But if we are Christ's, if we are his, all things work together for our good. No weapon against us prospers. We prevail in all things. We are as he is in this world. And he reigns. Praise you, Jesus. But the reigning is different than the Isha, Isha reigning, than the um, than championing over the soil reigning. Um, it's redemptive. It, it's caring for the soil. It's caring for man. It's caring for the trees. It's caring for creation. It's a revelation for folks who have felt like the world is, in part, their trash can. And that's not even coming against them because it's all of us in different ways. Um, anytime you hear someone speak in that, they're jerks and we're great. Um, often, it's someone who 
has not yet gotten a revelation of the grace that has been afforded them and the work that's been done on their behalf and the pain that Jesus went through so that they could be free of condemnation on themselves or on the world. God loved the world. That's why he sent Jesus. And Jesus said, I'm not here to condemn the world. I'm here to save it. So as he sheds light on things in your soul, as you recognize you stumbled and you fumbled and you tripped and you, it's a, it's a grace to come to that knowledge. It's only by the Lord that you could see that you're where you don't belong, that you're doing what is not you, that what you just said is not of him. All of these things for the teachable spirit, for the yielded one, for the one who's receiving him is instruction, is washing, is cleansing, is deliverance, is rescue, is salvation, is salve, is balm. Praise you, Jesus. Is training. Is preparation. Is activity of love. Bringing us out of that which is not or is no more. Amen. And from glory to glory, light to light, love to love, day to day. Right? Ever increasing day. Even as there is ever-increasing night. We don't identify with that which is passing away. Whoa. We identify with Christ Jesus. And it produces in us great joy and just unending gratitude, just thanksgiving every day, all day long. We want to praise the Lord and thank him. Because everywhere we see his activity, we feel his love. We don't just think his love. We don't just see his love. We don't just agree that his love is true. We literally feel his love. We've been made to. Amen. Okay. I bless you in the name of Jesus, and I pray you have a good day. Mm-hmm.